This is Business of Home. I'm your host, Dennis Scully. Every week, I'll be talking to leaders and innovators from all corners of the home industry. My guest this week is interior designer Mikhail Welsh. The world of high-end design can feel very far apart from the big tent appeal of home makeover shows, but Mikhail has managed to break through in both. His work has been featured in premier show houses around the country, and he's a regular on TV, with appearances on everything from TLC's Trading Spaces to Good Morning America to a new show for Quibi, with a premise that has to be seen to be believed. We chatted about his circuitous career path, the surprising economics of design on TV, and the industry's long overdue reckoning with race. This podcast is sponsored by the Urban Electric Company. From its founding in 2003, the Urban Electric Company has grown from a small lantern studio to become one of the most recognized lighting companies in the global design industry, as well as an important contributor to the successful return of American manufacturing. The key to their enduring success? A commitment to cutting-edge innovation, heirloom-quality craftsmanship, and uncompromising client service. From materials and scale to engineering and finishing to endlessly versatile and unparalleled customization capabilities, each of Urban Electric's 300-plus bench-made fixtures is made to order, designed to inspire, and built to last. Go to urbanelectric.com to explore the collection and customization capabilities to bring your unique vision to life. A quick announcement before we start the show. I wanted to extend a personal invitation to the Future of Home Conference. Last year was a truly special event. This year, we'll be live-streaming it directly to you on September 14th and 15th. We're planning on breaking the mold for what a virtual event can be. Join us for important discussions with leading thinkers on how the design landscape has shifted and the challenges and opportunities that have emerged. Tickets are now available and attendance is free of charge to BOH Insiders. Yours truly will be hosting, and I promise it will be a great show. Thank you to our sponsors, High Point Market, Benjamin Moore, and Resource Furniture. To learn more, visit futureofhome.com. And now, on with the show. Mikhail, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. Well, it's a pleasure. You know, coming off of speaking with you the other day, you and I were working on something together. Yes. And you you mentioned that you were traveling with your own lighting equipment these days. <laughs> and that really that really struck me as you're apparently getting so many last-minute sort of requests for uh, quick interviews or appearances it feels like you're really having a moment right now. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit of what's going on for you right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. I'm like a one-man production team. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm visual, I'm audio, I'm, you know, the cameraman, I'm hair and makeup, I'm all those things bottled up um, <laughs> at one time. <laughs> um, you know, it's just so funny. The past couple of weeks, out of nowhere, like all of these, um, you know, media requests just started coming in and everybody wants more content, content, content. So I'm like a, a human content machine at this point. <laughs> everybody wants a piece of you. I guess you could kind of say it like that. You know, I'm kind of like <laughs> a, a, a warm sweet potato pie. Everybody wants a slice. So, you know. <laughs> well, so congratulations on your on your Quibi show getting picked up for a second season. Thank you. Yes, I I am so excited about that. You know, for us to take such a crazy concept and for <laughs> you know it to go over the way it did. Like, hey, I'll take it. Well, so for listeners who might not be familiar with your show, and yes, the crazy concept, tell listeners a a little bit about the show. Sure. Okay. So we have a very conventional show. I'm lying. It's not conventional at all. (laughs) Um, So the premise of it, well, first, let's talk about the name. The name is so jarring alone. Uh, (laughs) The name of the show is called Murder House Flip. Yes, I said Murder House Flip. (laughs) And um, the concept behind the show, it's on the Quibi platform. um, And the concept is myself and my co-host, Joelle, we go into homes where iconic murders happen. Now, you heard me use that keyword, iconic, right? It's not just any murder. No, we don't take a basic murder. It has got to be a good, juicy one that is newsworthy. So we go into these homes where, you know, people have essentially, like, Purchased the home, didn't know that a murder took place because they like 
purchased it, believe it or not, people, in the 90s before there was internet and Google. And so <laughs> because of that, they don't know. And so, you know, they purchase these homes and their neighbors are like, hey, you got the Johnson house. And you're like, what is the Johnson house? And they're like, oh, let me tell you. And so, you know, these people are caught off guard. They can't sell the home now. And so they're kind of stuck. And so it's our job to flip the design of the homes so that the rooms look completely different than what they did before, just to like, you know, help them just completely emotionally detach from, you know, whatever's happened at that home. Well, and you mentioned earlier that that some of these people might have bought the home before you could you could Google whether there was an actual murder committed in your in your home. Correct. I mean these days, I mean, are are real estate agents required to disclose that kind of information? Or, I mean, how does it work these days? Okay, well, you know, these real estate agents can be really shady. So there are some, <laughs> like, uh, each... Apologies to the real estate agents out there. Oh, I'm not apologizing to them. I'm just calling <laughs> like it is. So I'm not saying all, you know, there are, but there are no. some. But, you know, so here's the thing. Each state is completely different. And, you know, you just have to know the rules of the game. And, you know, the rules of engagement... Um, I think in California, I can't remember it off the top of my head now, but I want to say it was like somewhere between like two and five years. So it's not an extremely long period of time. But after that, you know, expiration date, you don't have to disclose what happened. So unless you ask. So you better believe the first thing I did in my New York apartment when I got back here is ask my super who was in my place. (laughs) And had anyone passed away in the years that you have been in this building? And I think anybody listening needs to go back and ask <laughs> and ask that same question or do some, you know, you better get on that microfiche. If you don't, if Google <laughs> wasn't around then, you better figure it out. Did the previous tenant leave of their own accord or were they carried out to the morgue? Exactly. Just tell me. Exactly. Because maybe that'll explain why things go bump in the night. Like, you know, it'll help you out <laughs> with that. <laughs> Well, it's it's a really fun premise, and you and you make it you make it very fun. I, I I've watched several episodes, and it's uh, and it's a highly enjoyable show. Uh, so well, so congrats well, on it getting a second season. Yeah, thank that's you. really that's it, really great. And I and I love to see interior design being applied in this way. Yes. That interior design can can heal these these poor people who have been been traumatized mm-hmm. right by by what's happened in their in their home and that's and that's part of what we often talk about when we talk about interior design yes. it's it's power to to heal right absolutely and 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 I think that's the greatest gift that you can give any client you know our clients come to us because as designers we have an eye that they do not have you know i i'm quick to say that you know we're all as designers we're blessed with a gift And, you know, a lot of times we take it for granted. And this is the first time, you know, I've had an opportunity to really help someone where, you know, again, it's just not about, oh, make this space look pretty. It's like we need to be healed and we need a transformation, you know, from the inside out. And that is it's feel good. It's a feel good story. Well, and and do you think differently about the design that you want to do in those spaces because you know there there needs to be this healing component? Absolutely. You know, I think when we get the initial project, you know, it's it's our goal just to, you know, the fun part is I get to use my set design background um, because I, I come from a set design background as well. And so for me, it's like walking into this space and how do we make it transform in a manner in which it looks nothing like it did before, you know, so that part is great because it's more than, again, just like decorating. We get to come in and, you know, make a few structural changes. So that part is nice because we can really like flex our design muscle. Every time I walk into one of those houses, um, you know, those houses carry energy. And I don't care if you don't believe in ghosts or I don't even believe in ghosts, but I believe in energy. There's a heaviness. There's a presence in each one of those houses. And, and you like in the initial um trailer there's a scene actually was within our first 20 minutes of taping um where i'm walking down the stairs and i turn to my co-host and i tell her like 
I jump in front of her to run down the stairs because I said, you know, you're not going to leave me upstairs in this haunted house. <laughs> that was like a real moment because I'm kind of like, well, girl, I just met you and I don't really know you. And we're like coworkers. And like, no, I'm going downstairs because I didn't even. Want to- <laughs> I'm going down the stairs. Yeah, first. Like you're on your own, honey. Like I'll, I'll see you downstairs. And so those moments were real. <laughs> that's like, that's real. <laughs> well, well, you mentioned earlier that, that so much of, of what you learned to apply, you, you learned from your time as a as a set decorator yes and i i wonder i wonder if you could tell us uh, some of the some of the very colorful journey uh, of your of your entry into the world of interior design and and set decoration as, as yes well. okay so this one oh everybody this is probably a good time to go get like a glass of water or a glass yes. of wine whatever you need because this one is, is long but i'm gonna make it short and sweet um okay so my design journey let's just backtrack to we won't say the year but like you know circa <laughs> circa early 2000s um i just graduated okay. from college um and I graduated from Morehouse College in Atlanta, Georgia, and I have a degree in marketing. And so afterward, after college, you know, I'm just kind of like, okay, what do I do? Like, you know, I'm stuck in a rut. And my mom said to me, you know, you really need to find your passion and you'll know what it is because it will be something that you'd be willing to do for free. And I'm like, okay, well, that sounds like all great. Like Oprah, Ayanna Van Zandt, like Oprah Phyllis, that's great. But like, what (laughs) does that mean? Because like right now I'm poor and I really just want to like eat and like stop having to, you know, eat fast food. And so I'm like, okay, you know what? I like clothes. And so I went to work at Bloomingdale's in Atlanta. And on a lunch break, I found myself in Crate and Barrel. And I'm like looking at my clock. And I have spent like 40 of my 45 minute break in this Crate and Barrel showroom. And I'm like, what are you thinking? You have five minutes. You can't even grab lunch. And it hit me like a light bulb. Like you need to break into interior design And I didn't really know like what that meant. And like, you know, I'm not an interior designer. And I'm like, you know, I'm crazy, as you're going to probably learn if you haven't already. And so (laughs) I will like, I'm the kind of person where, you know, don't take me to Vegas because I'm going to put all the chips on the table. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give design a try. So (laughs) there was this little website that had just come out called Craigslist. And I was like, hmm, um, this looks kind of like seedy and like scary, but you know what? I'm going to try it. And so I went on Craigslist and there was a gentleman looking for a design assistant and I ended up, uh, I'm going to tell you guys the truth. So I was supposed to meet him at like- Yeah, tell us the real yeah, story. I'm going to tell you the truth. So I was supposed to meet him at his house at 6 p.m. And I'm like, okay, this does not sound good. And as the day goes on, he keeps pushing it back. He's like, let's meet at seven. Let's meet at eight. And I'm like, okay, like, I don't know what, like, what you think this is, but this is not like an AOL chat room. Like, this is like, (laughs) I don't like, this is not happening. So I ended up going with my best friend past the house because I had some time to wait. And it was (laughs) just like scope it out. Yeah. I'm like, okay, let's like, just in case, like, you know, I end up, you know, on on a murder scene, like, you know, I need you to know where, where I'm at. So um, anyhow, I ended up going to the interview. Best thing I could have ever done. Um, I ended up being this guy's uh, interior design assistant, worked for him a year, for a year. And what I really learned in that was the art of how to run a design business. So you, so you had a real apprenticeship. Yeah, time. I had a real life apprenticeship. And then after that, you know what, honestly, I was just like, you know what, I want to do this on my own. And so I went on Craigslist and I donated one free room design as long as people paid for the furniture. And so I would design rooms for free in Atlanta in order to build a portfolio. But uh, I was making a little money because obviously, like, you know, after they design one room, um, you know, my mark using that marketing degree, I'm like, okay, I got to reel you in. So after we designed that one room, then, you know, they're like, oh, well, you know, the living room can't be the only room we need the bedroom done so it was like slowly growing you know it was more got it. okay so you try to upsell oh you got totally it. totally like you know i designed <laughs> okay. it for free but you know i was playing painter at the same time so i'm like there's a fee for painting it wasn't much it was like three or four hundred dollars for like a 10 by 10 room so i was making you know a little change um but it wasn't much but for me right i haven't been a money driven person because for me, it was always about the experience. And I think that as I you know, tell this story, one of the things that has always helped me, uh, which I really wish so many people understood, is that you like 
experience really cannot be purchased. And the the experience and exposure, those are some like invaluable things. And if you can get a hold of those things, jump on it and lock onto it and don't be so driven by the money, like the money will come. So um, that's a that's a really great lesson. I mean, like, yeah. seriously. So after, yeah. so after that process, you know, of working with this designer um, and, you know, now building my own projects, I ended up posting that same ad. Now, this is going to sound crazy. And I know, like, people are going to cringe, <laughs> but they were like, I was like, OK, listen, I need to go to New York. I want an office in New York, L.A., Miami. Like, I want to be like the young Jamie Drake, you know, of my time. Well, Love it. I was kind of like, okay, well, this sounds great. So I put an ad in all of these cities. And I said, wherever I get the most hits for my little free ad, I'm going to move. Well, of course, not being a New Yorker, I didn't know that I was going to get like 100 responses from New York within like 20 minutes. You tell New Yorkers it's free. (laughs) Exactly. So I moved to New York, had all these like sex in the city dreams. I'm going to make it big, fell flat on my face, and had to go work. (laughs) At the Container Store on 59th and Lexington here in New York. And while I was there, uh, I met my mentor, Jillian Browder, who was a prop stylist. And so, yeah, so she worked with several designers where she would kind of like ghost design for them for like designer show houses. And I did my first designer show house with her. It was called uh, Millionaires and Mansions. It was out in Oyster Bay. (laughs) And um, that was like my very first show house that I worked. I didn't even know what a show house was. Because remember, I'm coming from $5,000 Craigslist projects now (laughs) to like, we have like $5,000 like soap dishes. And I'm just like, this is completely different. And, you know, from there, we did like the Saddlebrook, New Jersey show house. And like now I'm like in this world of show houses. And I will never forget. It's funny now, you know, my mentor said, you're going to do show houses one day. And I was like, mm, I don't know if I could ever like really like, I don't know. Like I, I was just so nervous. Um, but from that, um, you know, things just start to develop. So I ended up going down to CB2 um, and getting a job at CB2. And while I was at CB2, you know, I worked there for about two years. And there was a gentleman who came into the showroom and he had about, oh, Jesus, this man had like, eight assistants. They're grabbing pillows. They're grabbing vases. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. What do you do? And show me how to do it so I can get from behind this cash register because I hate it here. And so, um, no, I love CB2. But um, he said I'm a set. But you didn't like you didn't like selling, right? You didn't oh, like- I hate selling. I'm like, I'm the worst okay. seller. I'm like, do you want it or not? Like, I'm not going to chase you around the floor. Like, this sofa is great. Like, right. like you feel this down cushion. Like, I can't like I can't make you love it anymore. Like, right. like do you want it? Like, if not, I'm going on to the next customer. So I was like that person, but um, I can run my mouth for hours, as you can see. So I was really good with the customers, but um, you know, so that guy, he said, you know, I'm a set designer on Dexter. But, um, you know, we're just here shooting one scene. I live in L.A. If you ever come to, you know, L.A., I will let you work on a set. So I'm sure you can guess what happened from here. So I asked my boss, I'm like, hey, you got to transfer me to the L.A. store. And she's like, you're crazy, but I'll do it. So um, I ended up going to the L.A. store. I had a friend out there who let me crash on her sofa. She was an empty nester. Let me drive her gas guzzling uh, Chevrolet blazer that was leaking uh, the, I think the, the oil tank was leaking, so I had to spending twenty dollars in gas a day. It was ridiculous, <laughs> and making ten dollars an hour. But on that job, um, I, I ended up going to that CB two. The man never picked up the phone, of course. But I made it a point. I said, "God has the guy from Dexter. He never, he, he never, and he I, never picked up the phone from your call. exactly. I won't say his name. Right. And you moved out there mm-hmm. for him. Oh yeah, I'm not going to say his name, but I'm sure you can look up the set designer from Dexter, circa 2010. As you can see, I like to put people on Front Street. And yeah, he can, yeah, uh, okay. yeah. So it's the truth now. So <laughs> okay. Um, when when I got to the showroom, I said, you know what. I need to just like take this time and anyone who comes into the showroom, I need to ask if they look like they're shot, they get them off a folder or a portfolio, ask them if you can like apprentice and just learn. And in the first week, I got a job with Team Vogue. I got a job with HGTV. Um, there's a big designer named Emily Henderson, um, who is like, sure. so I work with Emily for a month. 
and it was very short lived because Mikkel is crazy. If you haven't realized, and, <laughs> what did you do? Oh gosh, I'm about to tell you. So <laughs> at this point, now that I have a month of set designer under my belt, I you know fluffed my resume and basically said I was a set designer now, kids. Oh. And so I got a call from um, the Style Network, and there was this crazy show called Jersey Licious. And I got a call in New York um, to come to an interview. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go to this interview. And I didn't have the money to buy a, a flight. And I called my coworker and I said, hey, in New York, I said, can you buy me a flight back to New York? And she said, I just bought you a flight to LA. Like, what do you need? That? No, like, I yes. don't get it. I'm like, listen, I have the opportunity for a paid job. Just buy me the flight. I'm going to get the job. And so she's like, okay, fine. So she... Got the flight. And of course, like I booked the job. Um, not of course, but you know, because that sounds cocky, but I booked the job. So I figured out my way in set design. We're taking a quick break from the show to hear more about the Urban Electric Company. The Urban Electric Company has remained passionately committed to producing bench-made luxury lighting for an international client base of high-profile designers, architects, and visionaries for nearly two decades. In addition to the vast collection of lights currently available at urbanelectric.com, from skinny sconces to statement pendants to outdoor lanterns and every category in between, a steady stream of new designs ensures a continuous flow of fresh creativity throughout the year. Inspired by art, fashion, history, architecture, and pop culture, each made-to-order light delivers on the signature blend of service that sets Urban Electric apart. Uncompromising quality, unparalleled originality and versatility, and endless options for individual customization. Explore their latest pieces, including six new fixtures designed in collaboration with the L.A. design duo Nikki Kehoe at urbanelectric.com new. And now, back to the show. I learned from television. So here's the thing about television that's kind of different than interior design. In television, no is not an option. You figure it out. And everything is life or death in television. And, you know, <laughs> it's, it's crazy. But the silliest things, like, you better have those cocktail napkins and they better be red. It better be the right shade of red. Even if you have to get out there and spray paint those napkins, I don't care. Like, if they ask for the producer, ask for something, you just figure it out. And I was really good at being resourceful. Just, uh, you know, that's because that that's just how I've always operated. So, um, I did that job for a year, and at the end of that year, my coworker came to me, and you're going to love this part. He says, hey, Mikhail, there's this show called HGTV Design Star, and you should audition because you are really resourceful. And I said, you know what? I know that show. I've watched it. I should apply. So I went down to my audition. There are about 2,000 people lined up to get inside of this. We were doing the interview inside of a restaurant on the Upper East Side. I will never forget wow. this. The last question that the um that the casting agent said to me, because you had like three minutes with a casting agent. It was so many of us. Like you sat down and they were like, so we're going to flip through your portfolio, talk to you real quick. And she said, well, you don't have a design degree. And I said, that's what I'm most proud of. I said, I can guarantee you out of all these people that you're going to meet today, you will not find anybody else who has worked in high-end design as well as television. And she says, you know what? I like your attitude, and you're going to come back here tomorrow for round two. And so I ended up getting, there were two of us, um, myself and Danielle Colding, who ended up winning Design Star. We got cast on that show. And um, out of 2,000 people plus, they chose two of us. So um, that's kind of a process. Yeah, it was. And so, you know, from there, you know, I came in fourth place on the show. Um, after the show to, you know, make it quicker, uh, the comedian, Steve Harvey, his management team saw me on that show and asked me if I would come to Chicago, uh, to be a set decorator on his show. And I think I told you kind of before in our last interview, like for those who don't know, like set decoration, cause it just sounds crazy. It's like, well, once the set is decorated, like, what do you do? Well, it's like, you're kind of like an event planner that's running late is the best way to describe it. So <laughs> every day you're watching the talk show, let's say like you're watching Rachel Ray and Martha Stewart comes on. Well, Martha is typically like in some elaborate, like, you know, backyard setting with a white picket fence and grass. Well, I have to create that design. 
And then after that, they may rip it down. And afterwards, you know, it could be the property brothers from HGTV doing a bathroom makeover. And I'm the one like kind of designing it. And then they come in and talk about all of the points. So every commercial break, you have another design and you've worked on these things for hours, you know, for, for the past week. And then it goes up for three yeah, minutes. And then it just gets ripped yeah. down. So, but, you know, but you really just learn to let things go. Like, I don't, I don't have attachment issues. Well, so in in those situations, Mikhail, I mean, is the idea supposed to make it look like Martha had done those oh, or the absolutely. property brothers had done those? Absolutely. Well, you okay. know what? When you get to that status, you have a really concrete team. They're sending you a deck. We know what their aesthetic looks like. And, you know, especially at Martha Stewart's team, they are very detailed. Like Martha Stewart has like a whole catalog. I'm talking about like RF guns that they're like they have skews on the bottom of her props. So like they'll send us certain things in a box, like from her actual prop house. Um, and you know, we have to use some of those things on our like on the set, but we uh, know see. exactly how to design it. You know, the same thing with like Nate mm-hmm. Burkus and the rest of his team, because you know, obviously they have a, a strong brand and they can't physically be there to design everything. So they just want to make sure that you are curating their look and they're all very involved because it is their name on it. Ultimately they have to stand there. So um, the pressure is really high um, because one, you don't want to let them down, you know, just because you have so sure. much writing on that. So yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So that's what I did for, you know, Steve Harvey, but in the interim, I ended up being very lucky. So Steve Harvey and I had a very candid conversation. And I remember the very first job that I had for him was to design his office. And um, I get called into his office and the producers are like, hey, you know, I want you to talk to Steve Harvey. And he needs his like office redesign because it had been painted yellow and he hated it. So I'm like, okay, fine. So I go in, I meet Steve Harvey and I'm just like, you know, well, he's like, yeah, they told me you're a designer. You know, I need my, my office design. And I said, okay, great. Can you kind of like tell me like your design aesthetically, you know, things that you gravitate towards? And he said, listen, I'm a comedian and I would not ask you to, you know, like help me with my jokes. And so I'm going to respect you and I'm not going to like, you know, stifle your vision. He said, just make it look masculine and smoky. And it was kind of like a dream client. It was kind of scary, too, because he didn't give me much direction. But he was just like, you know, just make it look good. And so I had a week to turn it around while he went to take Family Feud. And when he came back, he was just blown away by the design. And um, something came over me. And I just turned to him and I said, you know what? God is telling me to tell you I don't want to work for you. And, you know, he's like, what? And I'm crazy. I can't imagine too many people had ever said that to him. Oh, Dennis, you know I'm crazy. So I um so but you know, it was one of you know, those moments like that have like really been the moments that have like catapulted my career. Those like I call them jump out the window moments, but all of my jump out the window moments have helped me. So um I he said, Well, what do you want? And I said, you know what? I really want my own show. And in my crazy head, I'm trying to like clean this up. So I said, you know, I want my own show. I said, but here's the thing. I said, you know, I'm not enamored by who you are. I said, you know, to be honest, I feel like I have the same capability. I just haven't been blessed with the opportunity yet. And he put his hand on his chin and he said, you're crazy. He said, no one has ever <laughs> talked to me like that. But because you have that that courage in you, I'm going to give you an opportunity. He said, we haven't even taped the first episode of my talk show, but I'm going to put you on TV. And so he told the producers, let him do a walkthrough of, his off- of my office and let him talk about what he did in that space. And then from there, it just kind of like morphed into more design segments. And so by the end of the year, I had about eight interior design segments. And so one of the other things um, that I was fortunate with is we have green rooms where the celebrities will wait, you know, before they're interviewed. And I we didn't have like our green rooms look a mess at the time. And they gave me a budget, I think, of like five thousand dollars. And they said, can you deck this room out? So I said, "Okay." You don't care how else I get it done. They said, we don't care. Just don't go over $5,000. 
So I went to Crate and Barrel. I went to West Elm. I went to all of these brands and like Michelle Obama came on the show. Oprah came on the show, Halle Berry. And when we had bigger days, I would go to these companies and ask, could I do like a loan out and take images? And so I hired a photographer. And what this allowed me to do was have an opportunity to create these lush green rooms where I would like turn them around for like $20,000, almost like a designer show house. And then I would... um return all of the items after the celebrity left. So what they gave me an opportunity to do was now have these elaborate spaces, have the celebrities in them. They would say, oh, Mikhail, this is like, I will never never forget. Oprah said, this is the best room I've ever been in. Well, guess what that is, people? That's a quote that you can now put on your resume. So I am (laughs) all, I'm very resourceful. Like if you give me nothing, I will turn it. I will really turn it. And so I use that, you know, as now, like I have these quotes from these famous celebrities And so I use that as a platform and then I hired a publicist and then that turned into, um, you know, more articles. And I got my very first show house, which was the Lake Forest show house in Chicago that put me into the high end world. And I knew I needed that because, you know, oftentimes, obviously, you know, like um, in the high end world, if you haven't been classically trained or like, you know, gone through like design school, it can also, you know, often be shunned, shunned upon. And so I needed to make sure that I could prove myself. And so, um, you know, I really got addicted to show houses, actually. So that was my very first show house. Um, I ended up, you know, moving back to New York that very next year. And I did the traditional home Hampton designer show house. Um, that was like my first, right? which is a huge show. House. Oh I mean, yeah. That, well, you know what? Yeah. Listen, Dennis, if we're going to do it, let's do it. Like, I don't believe in like, <laughs> let, let's, if we're going to go big, let's go big. Um, and so, you know, I did that show house and, you know, things began to open up for me. And, um, then that next year I sat out and I went back and I did the 2018 Hampton show house. And that was the game changer for me. So this is a room um, that I work with. Um, at that time, it was Ethan, Ethan Allen is who I work with. They were my main sponsor. And I did this mm. really dramatic um, bedroom design where I created a canopy bed uh, with this lush, like, 13-foot drapery that's, like, all dramatically, um, you know, dripping around the bed. So it was really dramatic. And I will never forget, um, during our opening night, um, Jamie Drake came up to me and said, you know, I am, I was, I didn't even know he was in my room. All of a sudden I see all these cameras in my room. I'm like, okay, like they really like my space. And so um, (laughs) Jamie Drake taps me. And of course I am like starstruck because, you know, Jamie Drake is like, you know, the Oprah of design. So I'm just like, oh my (laughs) gosh, Uh, you're like touching my garment. Like I'm never going to like, you know, throw this blazer away. (laughs) And so Jamie Drake steps over to the side and he, and you know, and he's like, Hey, you know, I know you're, you're, uh, I didn't want to interrupt you, but I just wanted to tell you that, you know, your room is one of the nicest rooms that I've seen in this entire house. Well, that that's so lovely. And Jamie is so kind and, and generous. Yes, that way. he, so, he yes. is. And so yeah. that's kind of how Mikhail got to this yeah. place. And, you know, I've just been, a, you know, now woven in between, you know, the television world. Um, I joined the cast of the iconic show Trading Spaces last year. And, you know, things. And, and what was that experience like? Oh, gosh scary so i'm not gonna try to like make it seem like it wasn't a big deal like so it was really trading spaces for me was one of those like pivotal um benchmarks on my resume that i will never forget um i actually got the call from trading spaces because of a co-worker at the steve harvey show um i always say that you know tv is one of the greatest gifts because when shows disband it's very sad but at the same time Mm. it's a happy moment because everybody goes to work at all these different shows i got a phone call the producers said hey um we we got your information from one of our um employees he recommended you from the steve harvey show we watched all of your videos on youtube and uh, we want to know if you'd be interested in like joining the cast And so after I get off the phone, I told my manager, I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is so exciting. Like, you know, I'm going to get a chance to like audition. And she said, no, sweetie, you got the job. And I'm like, but we didn't even audition. And she's like, I know. And so like literally um, they called me back the next week and they were asking like what my schedule was. And so 
Um, at that point, they were in the middle of the season. And I lucked out because Genevieve Gorder, who's a fabulous designer that I love, she <laughs> had taken on another project at the time, another TV show. And she didn't come back that season. So they had like an extra slot. And they were like, well, you can take that one episode or you can wait to the next year. I'm like, nope, we're going to take that one episode and ended up being the finale episode. That alone, if I never get to do anything else in life, um, I think was one of them. <laughs> that made it all worth it. It totally made it worth yeah. it. Um, but now I'm happy now with my show Murder House Flip. Um, you know, obviously that that's huge because this is the first time I have like a breakaway show where it's not this big ensemble. It's just like myself and a co-host and I'm just like owning that space. So that that's kind of Mikhail's story. It's long, but that's my story. We're taking a quick break from the show for a special announcement. Looking to whet your appetite ahead of this fall's virtual Future of Home conference? Subscribe to Business of Home on YouTube to see videos from last year's conference, including conversations and presentations with speakers like Pulitzer Prize-winning art critic Jerry Saltz, Bonobos founder Andy Dunn, Rent the Runway founder Jenny Fleiss, the CEOs of First Dibs, Artsy, Cherish, and more. Tickets for this year's Future of Home conference on September 14th and 15th are now available. And remember, attendance is free of charge for BOH insiders. Thank you to our sponsors, High Point Market, Benjamin Moore, and Resource Furniture. To learn more, visit futureofhome.com. And now, back to the show. Help me understand some of the some of the real economics around the the television appearances and and the various shows. I mean, early on you were talking about so much of what you were doing, you were doing for free mm-hmm. or you were doing right for 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 very little money in in the beginning. And and so many people look at the success you've had or or look at the success of the success of some of these other TV personalities and I'm not sure they really understand the the, the economics of it. And oh and, yeah, you know. Well, I mean, tell us sort of what you what you can about the reality there. No, absolutely. I'll, I'll tell you this: it looks better on Instagram than it, than it is in real life, and that's right. just the truth of it. Um, in terms of like the financial, the actual dollars. So shifting from um the unpaid opportunities, like once you begin to work the talk show circuit, like I'm talking like Ellen DeGeneres and, you know, Dr. Fields and whatnot, you get um, what they call, well, you can join SAG-AFTRA, which is the union, and we get paid mm-hmm. to do, um, you know, your segments. And so it's it's not much, but you get a little bit of, of change for doing that. When you're working on uh, actual um, casted show where you're like the primary talent, that's where you make the bigger dollars in the sense that you're able to negotiate a rate um, per episode that you feel that, you know, you you deserve. Um, and contingent upon how well the show does, you know, you can ask for money, you know, more money each time. Like, look at those Real Housewives, those ladies. I see why they... they fling those cocktails across that stage every week. I would I'd say stage, but I see why they fling those martinis across the room. I would too, if I saw that check like that. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. but the thing is, um, but to be honest, I really feel like the television shows for like interior designers, unless you like the property brothers, that's only going to be about 20 to 30% of your funds. The biggest portion is going to come from endorsements. It's going to come from product lines. Um, like I just, uh, launch my Mikhail Welch collection with Yosemite Home, which I'm very excited about. Uh, but that's kind of where our dollars come from. And the same thing with like Instagram. Uh, you know, there people love it, people hate it. Uh, but I absolutely love it because as an influencer now, um, I've walked into this space where I'm just going to be honest with you, you know, for for me to kind of be like Vanna White and, you know, take a little photo holding a vase. Um, you know, sometimes that's like, you know, two days worth of, of well, I won't even say two days. Sometimes that's, you know, like a, a week worth of me sitting there with a client and it's just like, hmm, a week of me worth, you know, like a week with, 
with the client versus me standing here with this vase. I think I'm going to stand here with this vase and <laughs> get this check really quickly. But, you know, but again, with yeah. that, one of the things that um, I've been really fortunate, um, I talk about, again, those full circle moments. I had a, a, a long conversation with Emily Henderson the other day, and she just talked to me about the quality of um, the partnerships that I involve myself in and not to just take things for the money and to make sure that whatever I'm putting out is really authentic because if not, it, it'll come out and it'll show and it won't resonate and people won't believe in it and you won't believe in yourself. So it just falls flat. So I think it's really about, you know, knowing yourself, knowing your worth and then um, being real and honest. And the thing that I question every time I'm posed with any type of um, a brand ambassadorship is would I really use this product? And if I, if I won't use it, I won't do it. Right. Um, but that is another, I would say another 30% of where um, my funds come from. And then I would say the other 20%, it, I, I will, uh, I know somebody's sitting there with a calculator and I was like, that's 110. Well, like scale the numbers back because I don't have a calculator in front of me. <laughs> well, but your point is, is that sort of, so 30% of your income is coming exactly. from the television and yes. that, Right. And then another 30 percent is coming from these sort of ambassadorship appearances. Right. And you so you mentioned your your new furniture collection, which is which is very exciting. And I'd love for you to tell listeners how how that came to to be, because there's there's yet yet another fun story behind that. My my game. I feel like my life is like a game of like like Monopoly (laughs) or, you know, so. Okay, so let's talk about two years ago. Two years ago, um, I got into speaking engagement at Las Vegas Market. Um, and so I, I was at Market, and one of my projects, or one of, one of the things that I had to do was to walk a tour group of 60 people around and um, you know highlight my favorite showrooms at Market. And so um, afterwards... I'm just like exhausted. I want to go back to my hotel room and I have my mom with me. And so my mother has decided to take on the job or I should say the position of a bag collector. And she wants a free bag <laughs> from every vendor, each, every showroom we walk at. Oh my gosh. Did you see that bag? Did you see that one? This one, you know, they have braided handles. And I'm like, lady, look, if we go past one more showroom, like, no, because I'm like, every time we go in here, I have to talk to the people because they're not just going to give you a free bag. So I said, listen, we're going in one more showroom and then we're going back to the hotel. She's like, fine. And I need you to get two bags, you know, since this is my last showroom. I'm like, fine, this is it. <laughs> so we're walking to Yosemite home and I happened to turn my head and I saw this piece of artwork and I did not like, um, it, well, let me just backtrack. So I was a piece of artwork on a wall and I turned my mom and I'm like, you know, that piece of artwork looks nice, but I wish they hadn't put this silver medallion on it. And my mom was like, yeah, I can kind of see that. And so this lady says, hey, what did you just say about that piece of artwork? And I'm like, oh, shoot. I'm like, this is like a lesson learned. Like you just don't open your mouth. And so I'm like, oh, you know, I like this piece of artwork, but I just think like it's kind of busy. And so the woman says to me, like, well, what else do you think? Like, you know, are you a designer? I'm like, yes, I'm a designer. She said, well, can you just tell me, like, what else you think about the showroom? And so now I'm rolling my eyes at my mother because, remember, she just wanted a bag. And I just wanted to go back to the hotel. She just exactly. wanted the and now I'm going to walk around the showroom. And so I'm like, okay, yeah. so at the end of this little 20-minute tour... Um, I don't know. I just felt vested. Something like God came over me and said, just go with it. So I'm like walking through and I'm like, oh, you could do this different. You could have changed the handles on this. You could have changed the hardware here. So um, I get to the end of our tour and I'm, of course, expecting the woman to give me a business card. And of course she did. And as she's handing me her card, she said, well, I'm the vice president of brand and we've been looking to partner with an interior designer. And I would love to have a deeper conversation with you about curating um, a licensing deal. And that's how I got my um, first furniture line. Well, so so tell me, because I saw you were also putting the furniture collection up on your yes. website. 
it 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 doesn't it doesn't have prices yet, but you indicated that that was yes. Coming. Okay, so that oh gosh, Dennis, you're making me like give you exclusives here. So the reason that well, <laughs> that's what I'm so looking for. The reason for that yeah. I haven't posted any prices is because I have a. Some designers might be mad at me about this, but it's okay. Um, I have a really big brand that is potentially interested, not potentially, they're interested in um, showcasing the line. And if that do, well, basically my line would primarily like be sold through this vendor. This would be my, watching. this would be the main, um, this would be the main source of purchasing the Mikhail Welch collection. Um, You know, of course we'll still, you know, sell through various avenues, but this particular um, source is it's a really big source it's a household name and if that happens then that's the game changer so right now uh, we just kind of pump the brakes and we're waiting to see okay. um how we flush things out because that's going to be a game changer for Mikhail. because listen have you seen jonathan adler's house that man is on shelter island like living life I need to be living life Living too. large, Yes, right? exactly. And it's not going to come, you know, by picking up these small clams. Like, Mikhail needs some big ducats. Like. <laughs> so so that's the hope for the, for the furniture. Oh, if yes. This, if, oh, okay. So yes. This, so if, the, if this big company, this big household name company that you'll, mm-hmm. you'll tell me offline who it really yeah. is. Uh, <laughs> but but if, they, if they agree to take the line, that, that's really going to be a game changer. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a huge game changer. Huge game changer. Um, and so the thing that I love about my line, um, and you know, and I say love it or hate it, like the, the thing about me that you're always going to get is just like the truth. Um, I love, I know I'm just very serious about it. Like I love, I love my untraditional route into design. And I love the fact that I come from a television background and I can do high end. And so what I've learned to do is to merge those two worlds. Because what I have also learned is that people who can afford high end design, they don't want the look for less. And so, uh, and that's something that I always wanted to like voice because there's always been like this uh, unspoken, like, you know, um, few between like television designers versus, you know, uh, high end designers. And I feel like it's different worlds. Like, I feel like we, we can float in the same space, but again, like if you're willing to purchase a Tafinki and carpet rug, you don't want an $100 rug. And so I don't really think that there's any competition. And I think that both need to just show each other love. Um, and just, <laughs> like, no, seriously, like, I mean, because they're different worlds. They're totally different worlds. And I just think about my clients that I get from um, from all of my designer show houses. They do not want, you know, that look for less. And so what I try to do is to try to marry the two where I can kind of meet a crossroads, where I can put out a product um, that's strong. I can put out, you know, a product that's sturdy <laughs> so you can like tap on it. You can touch it and, you know, it, it's not going to fall apart. And so I pride, I pride myself on, you know, with this collection, making sure that I put out something that could be respected by both communities. And I think I've done a good job of it. But we'll see. The verdict is, is yet to, you know. Well, you know, it, it, it's so interesting, Mikkel, because <laughs> as you say, Often there there is this this struggle between the TV designer and and, and as you were saying earlier, sometimes the, the higher end designers don't think so highly of the TV designer, right? right? No, absolutely, and, and, a- absolutely. I mean, I think it's definitely there. And in the beginning, I used to feel some type of way, you know, about it. But the thing is, I know myself, and I know I can, you know, again. I, I do designer show houses um, for a couple of reasons. One, it keeps me in that world. And two, it reminds people if I ever have to have that conversation that I can do the same thing that you can do. But, you know, it also... So that's your way of demonstrating oh, your, your yeah, high-end capability. Absolutely, absolutely. Because right. I think it's... a For me, I'm going to be very honest with you. I think television can often be more difficult if not just as difficult as high-end design because you know with high-end you kind of yes there are issues that you're going that are going to come up with in terms of like you know working with contractors and working with architects and you know just curating things but when you're on a tight budget I think you have to be extremely resourceful 
So it's just, you know, it's completely different worlds, but they both have their struggles. Um, And I love both. You know, I love when I walk into a television design and, you know, I'm dealing with a breast cancer survivor, you know, who's overcome so many obstacles and to, you know, get those authentic tears because she's excited because we changed her life or a mother, you know, who lost her son to gun violence. And we've come in and, you know, we've decked her room out, you know, and all Ikea for whatever it is. I'd much rather make her happy than, you know, my high-end client who's just throwing dollars at thing and money is not a problem for her. So I respect them both because I understand sure. both worlds. And so, you know, I, I just have respect for both. And that's really what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I understand that. And, and it's a good point. What do you want this all to turn into? That's easy. This one right here wants to be the black Martha Stewart. Like, I <laughs> want to take over. I want to be a household name. I want to have Mikhail Welch products, um, you know, all throughout Macy's and Target. I hope they're listening right now. Um, I just want, you know, really, honestly, uh, I just want to I want to make great design um, and I just want to encourage others um, to use my story as a source of inspiration. Um, you know, when I look at the design community in the world, um, there aren't a lot of people who look like me there. I can count on one hand how many black male designers there are in this industry. And I want to be that catalyst for change. I want to, you know, be that person who can be a pioneer for others and, you know, show those other designers who look like me that you too can make it. Um, and that, that's really what I want to do. You know, I, it's, you know, in the beginning, you know, you, you do things for yourself, but as life goes on, you begin to see that it's bigger than you. And I've been given a platform and I feel like, you know, I, I'll be very honest with you. I don't know that my ultimate calling is going to be designed in the end. Um, I really feel like in the, is that right? I don't, I don't. I, I don't. I feel like design okay. is a catalyst that's going to get me to a place where I'll be able to encourage others because I really get more out of telling my story because mm-hmm. I like to encourage that person who's kind of on the fence about like, you know, should I step out and leave my day job? That's scary. But I will, I'm going to tell you my ups and downs and I'm going to tell you how I did it. Not to say it's going to be the same for you, but if I can just inspire somebody else in the design industry to step out there and do it, um, you know, that's what I really want to do. I want to be a storyteller and I want to encourage somebody else, you know, to, to step out and, you know, to, to believe in themselves and do it. Well, you're, you're such an extraordinary example on, on so many levels and, how exhilarating for you to have this opportunity. And as you say, you've been, you've been given a platform. And at this moment in, in time where hopefully the, the world is, is coming to realize the, the, the massive injustices that have been afflicted upon the black community. And, and when we look specifically at the interior design industry and the and the furniture partnership industry uh, my my colleague fred did it did a piece recently for business of home where he he talked to a, a black designer who who pointed out how how few black designers had furniture deals mm-hmm. and, and right and i'm and here here you are with your own furniture line and here you are with all of these tv appearances and with this incredibly powerful voice uh who gets to who gets to be the person showing uh, other members of your community that this can happen and that these opportunities can come your way but but not without hard work as as you point out absolutely and you know it's not been easy but it can happen um you know i do feel like you have to work a little harder at it, but um, it, it, the opportunities are there. And one of the things that I learned from um, going back to Genevieve Gorder, she told me something the other day. Um, I initially spoke out on the Black Lives Matter movement, and I spoke out right before um, 
things became really popular. And this is before any, you know, protest or anything. I like literally spoke out the day um, that George Floyd was murdered. And mm. I remember I was very scared to post something because I'm like, okay, I'm going to lose a couple of followers, like a hundred. I was prepared to lose, like I said, I'm going to lose about a hundred, 200 followers. And I'm like, okay, fine. But I just felt like this overwhelming sense to like say something because my default is always like post, I'm going to call it Mickey Mouse. I like to post these Mickey Mouse, like safe things. Like I always feel like, and no, and, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful manner by any means, but I feel like the, the, the go-to safe route is to always post something inspiration from Dr. Uh, inspirational from Dr. King. And I felt like I didn't want to take that safe route. I feel like that's always the safe route. And hmm. so I said, you can't do this this time. Like you are going to have to like say something um, other than just putting like a black and a white hand together, like that beautiful image saying unity. I'm like, no, you have to say something because I too am a black man. I get racially profiled. I've been stopped when I, you know, have been in high end neighborhoods with my clients and have been pulled over and asked, what am I doing in this neighborhood? Um, so I felt like I needed to say something. And in that moment, um, I was very nervous. And Genevieve Gorder told me that I should never be nervous to speak my truth. And she said, good people will always recognize good people. And she said, you know, so if a brand doesn't want to work with you or if you're going to get our ties are going to be cut because you spoke your truth, you didn't want it anyhow. And so I really appreciate her sending me that message um, because yeah. it's, it's so true. Well, and, and, and so you, you spoke up and, and spoke out and, and, and what happened? Oh, as a result? God, my world changed. So um, um, an editor from People magazine had written an article about me for trading spaces and she got wind of my article and said hey or excuse me of my instagram post and she said can i repost what you or can i use your quote you don't have to do anything else and she said i I just want to write a story and i'm like sure um i was nervous but i'm like sure do it and so that people magazine article like they ended up doing like an entire like town hall on it and i'm like whoa like they did they turned this into like you know like a video town hall where it's like three ladies like you know discussing race and i'm like i did not know it was going to do this and so um after that um i got a call from schumacher and schumacher i love them you know i i use their brand and a lot of my high-end designs uh for their wallpaper you know etc uh schumacher said hey can you uh, will you do a, a talk with us with Gail Davis? And I'm like, sure. And I was like very vocal um, in that panel discussion for anybody's listening to it. If not, go back and listen because it's rather funny. Um, well, <laughs> I did listen to it and I love Gail Davis. Yeah. So, so yeah. I, you know, I, I was, yeah, I called out, you know, several brands and I'll call them out again, including First Dibs, who has reached out to me and I care not to say anything else to them. And you can like play that because I, I, it is what it is. Um, you know, I was profiled there and I just had a negative experience. And so I will never use first dibs again because of that. Um, what, ex- what exactly happened? Um, okay. So I walked into first dibs on, um, 33rd and Lexington. Um, and this, this was when they had their space in, in the New York design. Center. Exactly. So when I yeah. was there, you know, I walked into the space and, you know, I walk in and it was a gentleman behind the counter. I said, hello. He just looked up and just like put his head back down. It was just like, kind of like, oh, whatever. So I'm like, okay, fine. Like, you know, I'm trying to source some chairs um, for one of my high-end residential clients. I'm like, at this point, I should have just left, but I'm like, okay, I really need, I really need the these French antique chairs. <laughs> so I'm like trying to like find them because I'm, I'm trying to find these little cane back chairs. I'm like, where are they? So um, my assistant at the time, who was Caucasian, he walks in and he's like, he was, I think like, I think he went to get some paint samples or went to like Circa Lighting, um, who I love. And he went to like get some printouts from, um, from them. And so he comes and he meets me and I could see him walking in. And so the guy jumps up from behind the, the counter and he's like, oh, hi, sir. Can I help you? And my assistant is like, oh, well, I'm just coming to like drop off these samples to my boss. And he's pointing at me. And I can hear him. And the guy has the, oh, shoot face. And then he walks over to me and was like, oh, uh, sir, how are you doing? Can I help you? And I just said to him, you know what? I said, no, you can't help me. I said, because I need you to help me understand, like, you know, is it customary for you not 
to acknowledge all of your customers when you come in. And he was just like, you know, well, I'm just so sorry. And I ended up walking out. That's the part I didn't tell that portion of the story. Um, But it was just such a negative experience where, you know, First Dibs reached out to me afterwards. But to be honest, at that point. They did. They reached out to you afterwards. So they, this person went and and told them what happened. Yeah. Well, you know, well, I wrote a letter. I wrote an email Mm. to First Dibs. And I okay. told them what happened just because I wanted them to know. But I don't want a backhanded apology at this point. Like you shouldn't have people like that who are working behind or who are representing your brand who right. act like that. Because at this point, any type of apology that you're giving me is backhanded. You're only doing it because you don't want it to go any further. It's not genuine. And so, you know, you just you're trying to like, you know, make sure that it doesn't blow up and turn into something else. And so as far as I'm concerned, first dibs is dead to me. And you can quote Have you had that experience elsewhere? I mean, have you Um, encountered that? I was participating in, you got me, you're going to get me in trouble, Dennis, but that's okay. You know what? It's (laughs) fine. It is what it is. Like I'm telling telling my truth. So I had an opportunity and I was so excited to participate in um, the veranda magazine, um, partners with the botanical gardens to do um the orchid gala so excited you know uh the team at veranda was so excited um and they were just so welcoming and i love them but i had a patron at the event walk up to me and say sir can i get another glass of champagne now these are the type of microaggressions that as a black designer you get fed up with because your assumption is because I have on a black suit and a white shirt that you know I'm the help. Now there are other white men who are here who have on the same thing that I have, but you know you're not walking up to them. It's not like I have a cummerbund on like the rest of these workers. So I just don't even understand why you're coming over to me. But you know that has happened to me several times. You know, one incident, you can get over it. But these happen to me constantly. And my favorite, oh, this is my favorite. And several of my other Black design friends get this. Oh, my gosh. Like, people come in and they're trying to compliment you. You designed this room all by yourself? And I'm like, well, who the hell else did you think did it? Oh. I'm sorry I use that word, but I'm just like, it's very frustrating. And you know, like, of course, when you stack all of these things together, it's a lot. It's a lot. And you know, you have to smile, you have to be gracious, you don't want to come off as the angry black man. So you just have to like smile and you have to, you know, uh, not make a ripple. You know, right now, I feel like this is, I'm very honest, like, because of the Black Lives Matter movement and people being more cognizant of it. I am allowed to speak on it because had I spoke like this a year ago, I'm sure half the things that I've gotten right now would not have happened. But I'm just now in a place where I can speak out. So when I do have an opportunity, I do speak out. Well, and you and you need to speak out. And I'm and I'm glad that you are. And I'm and I'm so sorry that you've had these experiences. And and I'm so sorry that this is what you've had to endure. I mean, you know what? And I, I, you know, I, I appreciate that. It's just. You know, I think as a black man, you just uh, or just black people in general, like when you're in this space and you're you're in an arena where you are the minority, um, you know, you just you you got to fight. <laughs> you got to fight. And sometimes those fight, those fights are silent. And, you know, it, it doesn't have to be, you know, this this huge moment. You know, sometimes it's just, you know, I don't have to be loud. I can just, you know, address the situation. Sometimes, you know, it's done in an email fashion. Um, it just depends. Um, but, you know, you just you do have to speak up. And I'm just glad. One thing that I am happy about. Um, so we were talking about like what's going on now. So since I have spoken out, uh, Emily Henderson reached out to me and, you know, she, you know, called me and was just like, hey, you know, I haven't seen you in, you know, 10 years since you were <laughs> a PA on my show. But, you know, I just appreciate your honesty. And, you know, she said, you know, I just want to help you in whatever way that I can. And we just had like a good hour long conversation of just about how to navigate this space with like influencer, you know, like how to make that work. And I just appreciate her for that. And so. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. Within that, um, yeah. I ended up participating 
Um, there's a, a, a young lady who goes by the name of Albie Knows, and Albie put together the share the or pass the mic. Share, yeah, share the mic, yeah. And so Albie um, um, participated in that, and Emily said to me, like, hey, let's like do the pass the mic. Well, she didn't know that her assistant had already paired her with someone, so she said, can you work with Brian, Brian Patrick Flynn, who I now love. Uh, so who's the, such a great guy oh well you want to hear a funny, a funny story about that i have like my life is just like full circles <laughs> brian patrick flynn is actually the set decorator from when i was on design star so he was kind of the one who helped come up with the design challenges and made sure that you know uh, the, oh, the chair challenges were fair and whatnot so i couldn't i could never sure. talk to him but i always see him on set so it was just so funny that you know she's like can you you know work with brian and so now that has just become a great relationship and so in that process i ended up getting reposted by rue magazine by amber interiors by studio mcgee i swoon bobby burke from queer eye all these big designers like started reposting my work and i think the biggest one was like studio mcgee when studio mcgee when they reposted it it got oh gosh close to like thirty thousand views and I got with their massive following. Yeah. yeah. Them and Amber Interiors both. They both posted oh. on static on their pages. And wow. I got over five thousand followers off of Studio McGee alone. And Amber Interiors, I got like close to that. And in that the next day I got up and the actress Kristen Bell was following me. And I was like, okay, wait a minute. What is going on? Why is Kristen Bell oh, like my goodness. how am I even in her like wheelhouse like that just makes no sense to me but uh I, I but you know so many people started reaching out and so i got a um message from joanna Gaines, and she said to me in the message you know hey you know i you know i love your your work uh you know basically like keep doing what you're doing so uh, to get a message from like Joanna Gaines, I'm like, oh my gosh, like she's like the Mother Teresa of design. Like you kind of trumped <laughs> Oprah. Like that's hard to trump Oprah in my eyes, but like you know, for for someone who works in television, you know, she's kind of like the end all be all next to you know, she's like a modern day Martha Stewart. And so, so many people have just um, reached out to me. Um, like if you saw my Instagram DMs, you would die laughing like now the editors and chiefs of like so many shelter magazines have just reached out and said the kindest things and just have applauded oh. me for having the courage to speak out and just authentically tell my story so that's uh, well that's so great Mikhail. and honestly i mean it couldn't happen to a nicer guy and and so i'm i'm thrilled that this this moment in time has has met you where you are and has and has helped to to elevate you thank you and and and, and i'm and i'm thrilled for the opportunities that are that are coming your your way thank and you so much Thank you so much for spending this time with us. I, I've, I've really loved getting to speak with you, and I, and I appreciate you finding the time. Not a problem. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. And yeah, I, anytime. I'm, I'm always here to, to give you the, the truth and to call names. So if you want it, you got it right here. <laughs> love it. We, lo- we love truth. Oh, you'll so get it here. thank you for that. <laughs> no problem. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you'd like to keep up with the latest news, visit us online at businessofhome.com. An important announcement, the Future of Home Conference is back. Last year's event was a thrilling series of conversations about the issues that matter most in the interior design industry. This year, we're taking the event online. We'll still be live, but the conference will be broadcast directly to you. On September 14th and 15th, join us to hear important discussions with leading thinkers on how the design landscape is being transformed and the challenges and opportunities that have arisen in the midst of a complex time. Tickets are now available and the attendance is free of charge to BOH insiders. To learn more, visit futureofhome.com. Finally, if you have thoughts or a story of your own to share, please drop us a line at podcast at businessofhome.com. This show was produced by Fred Nicholas and Marina Felix. I'm Dennis Scully.
Thanks again. Stay safe and healthy, and I'll see you next week.